0: Last few weeks, we've been studying through several books of the Bible. Uh, Past several months, really, we've looked through a lot of the epistles and the sermon series we entitled Letters. And we're continuing to work our way through uh, some books of the Bible and go week by week, uh, which it's a lot to take in an entire uh, book of the Bible in one week. Uh, But we'll get through them and kind of give a brief overview of, of these books and their importance and some of the uh, ways it can be brought out into our lives today. Uh, but this week, we're in the Gospel of Luke. The last two weeks, we've studied the Gospels of Matthew and of Mark and how that they apply uh, to our lives. And this week, we're going to be studying through uh, the book of Luke a little bit in a sermon. Uh, entitled luke and everything changes when the doctor goes to see the great physician so let us pray and pray for an understanding and a heart to be receptive to what god would have for us today father we come to you in jesus name lord we're grateful for your word we're grateful for all the application you give us in our lives, and God, I just pray today that you would open our hearts, our minds, give us an understanding and a, and a heart to be receptive to your word, and Lord, let us walk out of this place today more like you than when we came in, and God, that we will be able to go into the world and do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, amen. amen. So the Gospel of Luke... Uh, We've talked about the word, the term gospel means the good news, correct? So we know that it's good news that we're being brought and good news to our lives. That uh, gospels were written for us to receive and hear and understand. But I want us to go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read just a few verses here out of Luke chapter 1, the very beginning. Uh, this is the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament we know, uh, the Old Covenant was Genesis all the way through Malachi and uh, how that God had performed things to uh, the Jews in the Old Testament. But I want us to read Luke chapter 1 out of the New Testament. It's the third book in your New Testament. It says, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered to, and delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the cert- with certainty those things in which you were instructed. So Luke the physician uh, the author of this book, if we go back and do some study and understanding of who he is and some of his background to know about his life, uh, Luke uh, was born outside of Israel, the nation of Israel, and most uh, theologians and, and history, uh, people that study history, historians say that Luke was more than likely uh, not Jewish. He was a Gentile. Uh, by birth, and he's one of the very few Gentiles that write in Scripture. But Luke is this guy that's on the scene now, and he's telling us here that we've already got a few other accounts of this, right? We've already got some good news up to this point. Luke's telling us, yes, it's already been written, but I want to give a very clear, precise, detailed account, right? So sometimes we need that. And in in this gospel that we're reading today, this gospel of Luke and this person of Luke, uh, to think about an outsider coming in and writing something and how well it was accepted to the early church. And, and if you study uh, this, the history of the Bible, you'll see that a few hundred years after the Bible was written and, and all in detail, that uh, the people decided, you know, what are we going to accept as biblical proof? and inspired scripture, and what are we going to rule out as being not acceptable as scripture, but maybe of history. And they went through and they done a thing called a structure. So they took the canon, which would be like a measuring rod. So they would pair up the writing of this scripture, whatever it would be, and they would compare it to this measuring rod that they had. If it didn't meet that standard, then it didn't get put in the Bible. And Luke made it into that. So Luke made it through the canonical structure to find out for sure, is this inspired word of God that, yes, a Gentile wrote it, yes, somebody outside of the original Jewish faith wrote it, but it made it in the canon of Scripture. And it is here for today. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? That all Scripture. So if we have it in our Bible today, it's therefore it's inspired by God, it's, which means God breathed. So God literally used Luke's hand to write the words, but it was God's words that Luke was writing. So whenever you read your Bible, read it from that lens thinking that God is writing to you. Amen? Even though it was a person, yes, Luke wrote it, yes, Mark wrote it, yes, Matthew wrote those words, but it was God inspiring them to write them. How many of you have ever felt inspired by God to do something? Amen? That God inspired me to go talk to my friend or God inspired me to go pray for somebody or God inspired me to take food to somebody. It's a God-inspiration thing. We understand that. We know that. Uh, There's no more scripture going to be written, though. The canological, when the canon was shut... Uh, when the New Testament was written, there's going to be no more writings. So that's where we kind of separate in belief systems with other denominations, uh, you know, out there that believe that other people are writing inspired words today for God. It was closed in the New Testament. So what we have in our Bible today is what is there. It's proven, it measured out and met the criteria that needed to be, which is it to be written by an apostle, right a a direct person that reported to an apostle or to a disciple and they had all these this values that they put in the equation but Luke met that even though he's an outsider even though he's somebody that wouldn't be taken into account like in the old testament it was a jewish faith right it was it was jewish So whenever we get all this account of the Old Testament, it was purely Jewish. Everything in it was Jewish. But here we come into the New Testament, and now Jesus allows a Gentile to write a portion of that, which is amazing to me that he would allow a Gentile, somebody outside of the normal of Jewish faith, to come in and write part of the Bible. And Luke's writing here, and he says, "...as many as have taken hand to set in order a perfect narrative of these things which have been..." fulfilled among us so as he's writing this you got to read through Luke and as you study these gospels or or read through a book of the Bible like Luke you'll see that Luke as he's writing through he writes a more detailed account than others and he's saying there's already been a perfect account given it isn't that if if my books taken out that you you won't have enough information to know who Jesus is but I want a more perfect a more certain account for you to go by so Luke is saying here, yes, you've already got Matthew, and I know you've got Mark, and I know you're, you've got John. You're going to have these other good news, right, these other uh, books of the Bible, but I'm going to write one too. And he said, which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning and were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also having a perfect understanding of all these things from the very first to write an orderly account so as I take this and look at this and pick it apart the the gospel of Luke I need us to look at it today as from the perspective perspective of, of Luke sitting there and can you imagine this, this guy living in a in, in, a, in a country so far away, and, and, and it isn't like today, it wouldn't be like today where we got so many ink pens and you can just carry them around in your pocket. And it wasn't where that there was books and notebooks just laying, laying around that, that people just got extras thrown everywhere. But this was a time in the world where that writing meant something. Amen. Today, you see so many authors, so many books, so many publishers, so many different things. But here, this was a, a time, a season in, in, in the world's existence where that when somebody wrote something down, something. it meant something. It really had a, a, a personal uh, uh, application to it of some sorts. And Luke writing this down, can you imagine him sitting there, and not in today's world, not in a comfortable chair, Not in a heated building with electricity running through power lines to start a gas furnace to come on to put heat through a vent. Probably sitting in a little room somewhere with a little fire in a little uh, stove over to the side. It wasn't even a metal stove like we've got today. And I can just picture this guy in this one little room. See, we're so used to these big things, and I can just imagine him sitting there and penning these words. But as Luke was writing, I'm going to make this account Where to tell no things for certain. So, as we dig back through and look at Luke, in Colossians chapter 4, it's in the very final parts of Colossians chapter 4. I don't know what exact verse. I think it's, I I can't even guess it. It's just the end part of Colossians chapter 4. Paul is given. salutations he's he's signing off from the letter to Classe, a and he's he's telling about these different people but he he describes one person and he says uh, Luke the beloved physician so Luke was a doctor an actual physical doctor, a, a person that practiced medicine, right? So Luke was this guy that had this job or occupation that, was, uh, that he prescribed medicine, that he performed doctor duties, and, and Luke was this physician. And it's just astounding to me that a physician would have time to do any of this work in writing a biblical account. Amen? How many's got busy lives? Amen? We're all busy, right? How many knows a doctor is more so busy than us? Amen. Ria, I know, was a nurse and worked in the hospital and, and, and a doctor. Donna got called in this morning. Her, her physician up there that she works for calls her in even on Sundays to come in and perform heart casts and different things. And doctors lead a busy life. But here, this great physician, this, 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 this doctor, is writing down these books of the Bible. It just astounds me that he takes time to do that. And it causes me to ask myself questions. Do I allow God time in my life to do God things even though it may seem I'm too busy to do those things? Amen? Amen. So Luke writes down this book. And the amazing part about it to me is how many likes the Christmas story? How many enjoys Christmas? Amen? I know Greg does. He put his hand up first. He said he had it up first. He beat all of you to it. (laughs) He he can tell you how many days is left till Christmas uh, all the way up from December 26th. He'll say okay, we have got 364 days left, you know. He just he begins counting down at Christmas the last year. So he just loves it. But if we look through all of scripture and all the New Testament, we'll see this good news and we'll see these letters, right? These gospels and, and we enjoy those. But if you look, uh, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without Luke chapter 2. So you can you can study A little bit Matthew and he gives an account a little bit of the birth of Jesus but it don't go into the detail that Luke does Luke gives extreme detail account of how the birth of Jesus went about and he's saying you know I wasn't Luke's not saying I was there for the birth he's not saying I'm giving you account of what I witnessed right that's what he leads his first chapter out with to say, I'm not giving you an eyewitness account. Other people's done that, but I'm going to give a certain detailed event from the people I heard about or investigated or interrogated and found out information I'm going to write down for you because I want you to have a certain account in its entirety. So this physician, this doctor, writing down these words, and he goes into account, and I can just imagine, has anybody ever been just infatuated with something? History, I got into a big genealogy kit like a few years ago, and man, I studied, and me and Leslie went on vacations, and I, I know she enjoyed that. How many wants to take a vacation and go to courthouses and dig through old records? Don't that sound awesome? That just what everybody. That sounds like the dream vacation, don't it? Everybody else is going to the beach and going everywhere else, and me and Leslie, I, I had her going with me, and I was digging through courthouse records. It's kind of sad, really, looking back, but I was infatuated with it because I was finding my ancestors that I didn't know. Right? I, I'd never heard the name Isaac Newton Collier. I knew all Colliers was geniuses, but apparently, you know, one of them named their kid Isaac Newton. How awesome's that? And I found his headstone, and I was just infatuated with it. I was really digging in, and the more I learned, the more it opened up for me to learn more. Right? Because if I, my grandpa never knew his grandpa's name. So I never heard a story from my grandpa saying, well, my grandpa Isaac Newton... He didn't even know his name. I asked him one time, "What was your grandpa's name?" I don't know. I never met him. He died nine years before I was born. Okay, well we don't just that was nobody, right? But I studied and more, once I got to him and I found out what his name and who he was, it opened up a door to be able to go everywhere. And I ended up in Wise, Virginia, and go to all his courthouse and all that stuff by looking and digging and being intrigued. Opens up more doors for us, right? So can you imagine Luke, the physician, knowing if I dig into something, if I find this path and I take off and investigate this one part, that it's going to open up doors for all kinds of stuff. So as he writes all this down, it's a detailed account. And I'm glad it's there. Because Christmas wouldn't be the same without Luke chapter 2. How many ever been to a Christmas play where they had little magi, they had the little wise men running around, they had shepherds, they had all this stuff about the birth of Jesus, and they got all of it detailed, right? And they got all these things. Why? Because Luke chapter 2 tells us how that goes down. I've heard my dad tell about stories when he was in a play when he was little, and his only verse was that he had to remember one thing, a star. There's a star. That's his only part he had to do was recognize there's a star in the sky. Luke wrote all this stuff down because he investigated, he looked for it, and I can imagine how busy his life would have been, but he still took time to do God's stuff, he still took time to write down things and give us an account today that we wouldn't have had if it would not have been for him, so Luke writing this just is amazing, physician, doctor, As I thought about that, I was, you know, I worked at a hospital for about three years and and I was inside and I worked in maintenance and I, I was over security and I was over all this different stuff as far as joint commission and all these standards and all this stuff. I had to keep detailed logs of everything. And uh, just looking, and I, I would go into these meetings, and I'd be in a meeting room, and I would be there, and there would be, like, all these uh, nurses and all these different high-affluent people, and I was around, and I was like, man, these, I'm outranked here, right? I, I'm in a crowd that I'm not normally around. But as I would sit and listen to them discuss things and discuss how medicine works and discuss how radiology worked, and I ended up on a board one time down there sitting on nuclear medicine. I, what in the world do I have to do with nuclear medicine you get a nuclear physicist to come in and start talking to you, it's like, uh, duh, man, I don't even know what you're talking about, you know. It, but I'm on this board for safety for it because if somebody comes in and nuclear neutral medicine, they take off wandering down the hallway and it drips out on the floor and some kid gets around, walling around, they can end up, you know, with this uh, nuclear material, radiation, it's scary. So, but being around other people opened up doors for me. But as I was there, these nurses, they would talk. And, you know, and then there's the physician's board. And I got to be, interact with doctors. And before that, the only doctor I knew was Dr. Tommy. You know, a couple of Tic Tacs or something will heal you and all that, I know. Uh, but I had been around a lot of doctors. But here I am communicating with the doctors. And as I began to be around them more, I, I, I watched their life. And, and inside the hospital, you got this whole department that's uh, transcription. And I was like, transcription, what's that? I don't even know what that means. And as I was sitting there and, and began to study and understand that doctors, they will go in and see a patient, and whenever they walk out, they've got this little secret room that they go into, and they get on a phone, and they tell what all they did to that patient because they don't take time to write it down. Right, Rhea? This is the way it goes down. They, they talk on a phone, and they'll basically leave a voicemail, and there's a woman or a man down in an office somewhere sitting with a, a laptop, or back then it was a, 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 you know old-fashioned typewriter, and they would transcribe what the doctor said. And it went in the patient record. It was detailed. I mean, they would tell everything. And then if the doctor came back... And the next time he'd come up to that patient, he would look at the patient's chart before he would go into that visit them in the room, and as he would sit there and he would look through that patient record, if there was something happened that he remembered, maybe that he said that they didn't just transcribe right, he would even correct them later in events. But it was all about keeping a perfect record of how it went down. So what if we look at this account through that lens? You've got a doctor that knows I've got to keep good records to understand in the future what I've already done. What if he took grave detail that nobody else took? What if you look at Luke and compare it against Mark or against John or against Matthew? You're going to see all kinds of details that Luke took that others didn't. It's amazing because God uses different people God uses whomever he will and sometimes we might say you know, I'm not Jewish, or I'm not a theologian, or or I wasn't born into Christianity. My parents didn't serve God, or we have all these excuses of why we can't. And Luke could have done that same thing, but he didn't do that. He engulfed himself in the Christianity as it came to town, and he witnessed and and he listened to the to the bold witness of Paul and Peter, and some of these people come to his town in Antioch. And as he heard these words, he believed them, and he totally infatuated his life into d- diving in and. Understanding them from a physician standpoint, how engulfed are we with the gospel? How infatuated am I with this Jesus that I talk about? And how do I apply him and where do I apply him to? Is my question for us today. As I look at it, for Luke, this this physician, he he probably had so many patients and so many people he was caring for. He probably had a whole lot of reasons and excuses not to do some things for God. Amen? Amen. Just like we use excuses of why we don't do enough for God. But he did it anyway. And look what it did for us 2,000 years later. It gave us a more excellent account. And it's amazing because, you know, a lot of people in church, and if you grew up in church, you've probably heard somebody say, you know, that the, uh, Paul the Apostle wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. How many's ever heard that said, that Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? A lot of people say that, that they believe that he And if you look through uh, the epistles, and we talked about that in letters, right, that there's Romans, Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, uh, Titus, Timothy, Thessalonians, uh, Philemon. Paul wrote these books of the Bible, and there was a lot of books, but there wasn't a lot of words in those books. So if you look back and you study through the New Testament, you'll see if you do a word count of each book of the Bible, 25% of it was wrote by Luke. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and the accounts of the Acts of the Apostles were both written by Luke. And he wrote more words than the rest of them, even though he don't get credited for it a lot in our society. But if you look, it's just two books that he wrote, but he wrote a lot of words. How many's ever read through the, the gospel, uh, the accounts of, uh, of Acts? You read through the book of Acts, right? And you'll see all kinds of things in the book of Acts that you don't see anywhere else. So... Luke, writing these things down, gives us an account that we would not have had of what the early church was like. We would have not have known that Jesus, when he was standing there on a mountainside one day, after he uh, went about for 40 days and talking to his disciples and standing up on a mountain, and all of a sudden he ascends and goes into a cloud and, and disappears from his disciples. And they're standing there looking and they're amazed and they're perplexed. And, and an angel looks down and says, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing? This same Jesus that was taken from you will also appear to you in like manner and we wouldn't have that account of the book of Acts if it wasn't for Luke's detail writing it to us and it probably didn't seem 100% important to him then what do you got kitty cat hopefully that's not diaper material okay good job it's Sandy Wipes. Just hopefully they're. I guess they're sanctified for Sandy Wipes, right? It should be good. <laughs> but Luke's detail attention to detail. Luke's attention to detail. How important is it to us? How does it apply to me? What's your attention to detail in your Christianity? What are we giving an account to for Jesus? It's going to be our life left in a legacy. Dusty, and myself, and Albie, and, and Leslie, and some of my uh, co-workers at work, we're all reading this book together, doing a book study, and just to be you know, more knowledgeable. And, and it, it's, a, it's a book entitled Didn't See That Coming. I listen to a podcast every week, and this guy wrote this book entitled that Didn't See It Coming. How many's ever had something happen to you that you didn't see coming? Amen. Amen. It blindsides you. This book is written to an effect to try to help you overcome that and look for things and things to be aware of and, and not have burnout and all these different issues. He was a pastor that burned out and, and, and completely went bonkers. I felt that way before. I watched a video yesterday of, uh, of a video, and uh, a pastor was in a church one day, and he was trying to preach the sermon, and he had a nervous breakdown in the middle of his sermon, and he just walked out of the church in the middle of the sermon. Can't do this anymore. It's sad. But I'm reading this book so that I don't do that. Amen? I don't want to just walk out and leave you guys hanging. I, I don't want to do that. I want to be the best pastor I can be, so I'm reading a book to do that. And in study of that book, it talks about, in one chapter of that book, how that uh, people, he, he's been involved in ministries for so long that that he sees people, and you go to a funeral, and you'll, you'll be at this person's funeral, and whenever you're there and you're talking to people, people will come up and be like, oh, Billy, he was a good guy. Oh, Bob, yeah, he, he done a lot for the community. Oh, Anne, yeah, she attended church every Sunday. And basically what he says is your life ends up being a one-sentence explanation. How sad, right? What do you got? I don't even know what that is. Looks like a seed. Could be a pomegranate, I don't know. It's okay she's fine she's fine she's doing fine so can you imagine so here's the deal in the book it's telling us what do you want people to say about you at your funeral yeah. if you can reduce your life down to one sentence what do you want your one sentence to be and life really needs to be lived at that simplicity Amen. Because the only thing you're going to leave, the, legacy, the only legacy you're going to leave is a one-sentence, basically biography about who you are. Well, Craig, Amen. she found another one. We're going to have a farm here for long. <laughs> so so Craig, he, he, he was a guy that, that loved his job. Or Pap, he was a guy that loved horses. or, You know what I'm saying? You can be determined down to that one thing. I'm not saying that about either one of them. It could be anything. or carver loves seeds, I don't know, it could be anything. <laughs> what do you want your one sentence to be? What do you want to be known as? See Luke was a physician and a physician is a person of high influence in a, in a society, right? So he could have, he could have said, I, wanted to be, I want to be known as Luke the physician. But you see he encountered somebody named the great physician. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus impacted his life. And Luke comes to this point in his life where he says, I don't want to be just known as another doctor because the world's full of doctors anyway. And he says, I, I don't really want to be worried about being a Gentile because the world's full of Gentiles anyway. Yes. He says, i got to give an account of what happened because future generations need to know this Jesus and who he is and where he's from and what he's like. And I'm going to write a account down so that people will have something they can read. And it's inspired by God. And as I've thought about, thought about that and, and begin to think about it, you know, my life, the, uh, my life and how I lead it and how I live my life, that we segment our life, that we've got work life, and, you know, we've got a, we got a, a, a community life, and, and I've got a home life, and we, we segment all areas of our life, right? We've heard that. What do you do at your home life? What do you do at work? So we segment all these parts of our life, and I think Luke's the key thing that, as I was reading through and studying through the book of Luke and all of his writings in Acts, was it, it don't don't compartmentalize your life. Every part of you is Jesus's. Amen. If, if you're a born-again Christian and you gave your life to Jesus and you allowed his blood to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, all areas of your life belongs to him. So whenever I'm a physician and I'm doing doctor's work, that's God's work. Amen? Amen? Or whenever I'm in the community and doing something for the community, that's not my community uh, uh, dedication or my community obligation. That's, that's God's work. If I'm going home and and me and Leslie's talking about this or talking about that or doing something at home, it's not my home life. That's God's work. Amen? If we give Him everything, He can use us. And I believe in this gospel, according to Luke, that it's pointing me in a direction to say, I've got to give God my occupation. I can be a physician, but I'm a better physician if I'm a godly physician. Amen. Or you can be a a quality control person, and you can be a good quality control person, but you'll be a better quality control person if you're a godly quality control person. Or you can be an armed guard, or or you can be just a natural armed guard and be good at it, but if you give it to God, you'll be a good godly armed guard. What if we would begin to give God our occupations and our entire life and quit compartmentalizing and and saying, well, this is God's and I'm going to give you God? I'll tell you what, I'll give you about an hour on Sundays. I'll show up from 1130 and hopefully pastor shuts up by 1230. It's 1231, sorry. If we would quit compartmentalizing and saying, this is yours, God, and this is mine. Do you know how many hours is in a week? Seven times 24? 168 hours. And we give God one. Another 167 is mine. But we say often, I gave God my life. Right? What if we would just give him a little more? just a little bit more so today I want us to see stop stop that give him all of your life and watch and see what he'll do because how many dreads going to work sometimes give it to God and say when I go to work watch and see if it don't change watch and see if he won't change your perspective if it is His. Because then when you go to work and you're dread going that day and you walk into work and next thing you know, God brings somebody across your path and you have this godly conversation. It will astound you. It's all perception. Give it to God. Let him fix the problems that we face. You know why? Because he's a great physician. If he can heal a doctor, he can heal me. Amen. If I'm complex enough that I don't have time enough, I'm like Luke, and it don't seem like there's enough hours in the day or enough hours in the week, God can do more in an hour than I can in 167. Amen? Give it to God and watch and see what he'll do. Next weekend, it'd be a good weekend to start that. Just mark it off your calendar. Come to Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning and watch and see what God will do through the missions conference. I assure you, you will not walk away disappointed and say, Man, I wasted that weekend. You get 52 of them a year, just give him one. Yes. Amen? Amen? Give him one and watch and see what he'll do in your life Amen. when you see it from another person's perspective, such as a missionary. Yes. Won't we all stand so I can shut up and I'll quit sniffing whatever that is. <laughs> Diaper rags. I want you bow your head if you would close your eyes I want you to pray just a very simple prayer and we do this often but I, I want you to just very simply one sentence say Holy Spirit what are you saying to me through this message and I just want you to listen Maybe telling some of you, yeah, you act like you're too busy. Give your time to me and watch. Some of you may be saying, Well, God, I don't know that I can bring you in my occupation. People will make fun of me if I if I come out at my workplace and tell them that I'm a Christian. And I don't have all the answers. And the Holy Spirit is saying, give your occupation to me and watch me open doors. That you never thought possible. There's people in this room that I truly believe that's got God callings and God giftings. That you're not using. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you today. Use them for my glory. And watch what I will do. You've tried it your way. Give it to me Luke. Luke. You've tried to heal everybody else when you was broken yourself. And God's saying today, give me your life. And watch what I will do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. How he's here today say, Pastor Ben, this spoke to me. And I need to give God areas of my life that I haven't. Amen. Thank you for those hands. There's are some areas of my life that I need to give God. And I'm ready. Because I want to see him move mountains. Because I need inner healing. Amen. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And God, I pray over the people of Bethesda. Lord, for those that raised their hands and those that didn't. Lord, for those that the Holy Spirit has been speaking through during this service. God, I pray today that you would open doors that no man could shut. God, that you would make areas of their life that have been off limits to you before. God, as you walk in, as they open that door, you said in your word that you're a gentleman, that you won't knock down any door, but you'll stand at the door and knock. God, I know today in this place that you're knocking on heart's doors. And I pray today as they open up that door and make a way for you, God, that you will use them the same way you used Luke. God, that they would make an excellent account, that their life would have meaning, Lord, that their heart would be healed. Lord, that they would have peace. In Jesus' name, amen.